0: If you have your Bibles, open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and someone will run one down to you. As we're going through this epistle of Paul, it's funny to think that this group that were there in Corinth actually challenged Paul's authority. Actually thought themselves more mature. I mean, it just strikes us. To, to think that of this man as much as we know of who Paul is, to think, well, we are more mature than Paul, the man who penned three-quarters of the New Testament, the man who, as we go through the book of Acts, did so much to give birth to the church of Christ throughout the world, who spread the gospel and, and did it so unashamed, powerfully, not considering his own self, and the things that he had to endure to take this message to everyone, to to the Jews and ultimately to the Gentile nation, who is the one who who brought this gospel message to the Gentiles. And to think that someone would say, well, you know, Paul, who are you? We're we're more mature than you. It's comical. But, you know, it's not uncommon. It's funny how we measure maturity, especially in the church. We we think maturity is about how much information that we have or maybe who we've sat under teaching-wise. Well, I sat under this pastor or I went to this seminary. I've been part of this school. And and it's kind of frustrating sometimes and you get an idea of Paul's frustration. I remember Corinne and I went to... uh, a retreat it was for a college group and it was with another group of people and as we went with this other church group some of the kids there i'll call them kids because it makes them seem less um some of the the kids that were there were very high and mighty in their minds i remember corinne would start sharing something and as she would pause to share a scripture someone would finish the scripture for her. Oh, i know where that scripture is boom and it was just plain rude, you know? And it's like, oh, oh great. You, you know that Bible verse. You know, you want to come up and teach. And you almost get the feeling like that's what they were asking for. You know, I could do a better job. I know those verses better than you. You know, you, I should be up there and not you. And it was so so evident that it really ticked me off that I actually changed what I was going to share just for them. Um <laughs> And felt the necessity to just say, you know, it really isn't about how much you know. Because what you know doesn't matter if it isn't backed by the love and power of God. And that's what Paul kind of starts here in in chapter 2. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, As I proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul starts off and lets them know why he came to them in the way he did. We saw in the last chapter that there was this division, this dividing, this tearing of the body of Christ because of who they sat under, whether it was Apollos, whether it was Cephas, whether it was Paul. They, they had these divisions and they were basically saying, I'm identified by this person and how this person presents this gospel message and teaches that's how I am, that's who I am. And they took pride in where they came from and what they knew. And Paul said, I, I purposely sought not to impress you, not to be eloquent, to show you how much knowledge I had because I didn't want your faith in God into into Jesus to be upon what I gave, but it wanted to be upon the Spirit's power. Otherwise, it means so little. It's important to understand what Paul is doing here, because he is not saying that we shouldn't be involved in apologetics, in learning, in defending our faith, as Peter would say, giving to every man an answer for the hope that lies within us. He's not saying that wisdom or knowledge is a bad thing. But to these believers, he's saying, it is not what we believe that or our own wisdom that we rest our faith on. It is in the power of God. And it's really important to keep that foundationally central in our thinking. I've even heard some people use this passage to try and discredit what Paul did in Acts chapter 17, where he went to Athens and debated with them, they say, see, he didn't bring the cross of Christ there, and so he failed. And so when he came later on to Corinth, he knew he had failed, and so he purposely didn't you know, use eloquent words. And that's just, boy, if you translated any other passage that way, using that kind of reasoning, you'd be a heretic, but not on that one because what Paul did in Acts chapter 17 is so against our traditions that we have to do something with it. It's just hard to, to fathom and get a hold of. But the point of what he's saying here is that you who have faith in Christ, your faith isn't in wisdom of men. It is in the power of God. That's the bottom line. And if we don't recognize that, if we think it's about how much we know and what we know, we become very pharisaical. Just like those who opposed Jesus, the Pharisees. And he said, you search the scriptures and you think you know. But if you would really know, the scriptures are what testify of me. How could you know so much about something and miss who is the one who wrote it? How can you have so much information and miss the point? And I wonder that about us so many times. We spend so much time studying the scriptures, but we represent Jesus so poorly. How can that be? Maybe our focus is on our own understanding and wisdom and not on the power of God. And so we need to be careful that we don't think our maturity is based on all the things that we know. It's based on the power of God that he has given to his spirit. And he goes on to to talk about this wisdom that is from the spirit. In verse 6, he says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. And so now he's bringing this separation, this idea of some who are a little bit more grown in their faith than others who are mature. And he says, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so now Paul contrasts the wisdom of this age, as he calls it, to that wisdom that God gives. And this wisdom that God gives has certain characteristics. First of all, he says, it's been a secret. God can keep secrets. He has that right. Deuteronomy 29:29. 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things that God just doesn't divulge information. And you might think, well, that's not fair. But as he goes on, we understand why. He, he also says that it was hidden. It had to be hidden. The reason it had to be hidden is if it wasn't hidden, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. There is no way they would have, if they recognized who Jesus was, taken him to the cross, but that was a necessity for our benefit if they would have said this is god himself the the architect of all things let's crucify him no they wouldn't have done that he was hidden isaiah says there was no beauty that we would desire him he was veiled from their eyes to understand who he was god had hidden his christ and this is his point The cross of Christ, the crucifixion, was the very wisdom of God. And he kept it a secret. He didn't blast it out for everyone to know. It was kind of tucked away in some the Old Testament passages. It was hidden so that they wouldn't understand the Lord of glory. It says also that it was destined before the world was made that Christ would be crucified. And it was for our glory. We were also predestined. And so now you kind of get to understand the wisdom of God is just beyond us. Isaiah says, as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. Because how do you predestine something before the world is? We don't go there. Our minds can only go so far and then we blow a circuit. Just like, I don't understand that. That's right. This is the wisdom of God. It's different than your wisdom. And if you start feeling kind of small when you start thinking about God, that's a good thing. It really is. If you start thinking, I really don't know a whole lot, that's true. <laughs> you, you, you should say, Yeah, that, that, God says, You got it. And I know that goes against our ego, but it's really beneficial. Because now we understand that the wisdom of this age compared to the wisdom of God doesn't compare. And though God's wisdom was secret and though it was hidden, he had designed it before we even were born. And it was for our benefit. And lastly, it was revealed by his spirit. Now this is important. Because it hinges on God, not on us. God had to reveal it. He had to make it known to us. We didn't go into the laboratory. We didn't pick up the book and say, aha, I've got the plan of God all figured out now. I've just read it, got it all designed. I, I, I can see it. It's a blueprint now. I know what he's doing. We, we looked at it and said, I don't get it. What, what, what are you doing here? What's, what's this purpose here? I, I'm not understanding. And then all of a sudden the spirit whispers to our soul and says, this is what I'm doing. And the light bulb flashes and we go, oh my goodness, this plan of salvation is incredible. We talked about this last week, how how God has designed this for the the need that we have, that the cross of Christ is exactly what every human being needs because none of us are righteous. We know what the right thing to do is, but we fail to do it. We know who we should be, but we cannot be it. And in that condition, when we find ourselves In the reality of who we are, the cross of Christ speaks to our need and covers our sin and forgives us and restores us into a relationship with God. And it is amazing. It is exactly what we need. And God knew it all along. He had designed it he hid it. He kept it a secret, but in the right time, he displayed it openly so that we would understand, so that we would benefit, so that we would receive the glory of what he did. And that is the wisdom of God as opposed to the wisdom of the world. And it is so contrary because when you look at what Jesus did, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, you wonder, wow, how, how, why would you do that? And that's the nature of God's wisdom. And I love what he says here because he says, no eye has seen, in verse nine, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I remember hearing that scripture and thinking, wow, yeah, that's, no one can know, no one can see, no one understands the things that God has revealed. Yeah, it's just beyond us, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that our natural wisdom and the way man tries to approach God, it it doesn't happen. It it can't get there. One of my kids is colorblind. He's colorblind to pastel colors. He can see primary colors okay, but some of the pastels he has a hard time with. And, And we didn't know it as he was growing up, and it was just later on we started saying... You know, give me the, the green one or whatever, and he would give you the blue one, and you're like, uh, you know. <laughs> Did we fail here, you know, in our parenting skills, you know. But then there was the understanding that he he doesn't see the way his brothers and sisters saw. Oh, oh the colors were there to be seen He just couldn't perceive them because of a deficiency that he had in his eyes. The green and the blue were distinct, but not to him. No eye has seen. We we don't get it. We are deficient in the ability to understand what God has done for us. We're colorblind spiritually. And no ear has heard. I know I've done it a couple of times. There's a ringtone that's out now that's called the mosquito. All the younger kids know what it is. Because what it is, is it's a sound that is only discernible to the younger ears. Because as you get older, your your hearing starts to deteriorate. And so the kids now have figured out that I can have this ringtone that I can hear, but the teacher can't. Or that the parents can't. (laughs) Some of you are going, What? I didn't know about that. (laughs) You ask your kids, Do you have a mosquito ringtone? You'll never know. and this was actually designed in Wales where there were some kids loitering around a liquor store and they put this frequency out there, outside, and the kids, it just annoyed them. It was out there and so they just wouldn't hang out there, loiter there anymore, and then the old people would walk in and walk out and it had no problem. You see, there are some things that we don't hear that are there. There are noises that are going out, frequencies that are happening all around us, but if we're deficient in what's necessary to to perceive them, we we don't. And so we don't hear. We didn't understand the things that God had because of our deficiency, and we couldn't comprehend. We didn't have the understanding. And boy, it doesn't take me far to go to that place of understanding. Just start talking mathematics. Mathematics trigonometry, English history, name it, just pick a subject. I, you know, there are some things that we just don't get, you know, the string theory. I know the string cheese theory, you know, what I mean, it's like, I, I don't know, what's. what are you talking about? There's things that are beyond our minds, well, there are things that God had planned that we just couldn 't figure out, but it doesn't say that we don't see, we don't hear, we don't understand period it says, but God has revealed it to us by His spirit. God has made it known to us it has become evident i'll never forget one time we we had a family camp. our whole family went out there it was my wife, I, and the four children, and they were younger, and we'd go stay in a tent um, with four kids. Why would you do this? Anyway, and everyone had a great time. That's what they keep telling me. I don't recall that, but, you know, we went to the family camp, and we were there at the family camp with all these other families and their children. I know the kids had a good time. They were riding their bikes, playing together, and all these things, and then there was a time of, like, a devotion, and I remember I gave a devotion there. At that camp. And I I can remember as I was sitting there speaking and sharing this devotion, I remember basically I was talking about the love that God has for us and how much he cares for us. And as I, being a father, love my children and I would give my life for my children to save them, God has loved us and has given his life. And I remember my son was sitting there and I could just see the countenance on his face change when I talked about giving my life for my children and how I would be willing to do that, he sobered up. And these tears started to well in his eyes, as I said, and God loves us. And he came up to me afterwards, and I just kind of like, hey, guy, what's going on? Something, something's happening with you. And he just said, when you said that, you would die for me? He said, I understood that. I know how much God loves me. And there was this understanding that all of a sudden came into his soul that realized, God loves me. And you see, the Spirit of God quickens our spirit. It says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so he makes these things known to us. And this is what maturity is is like. It rests on the understanding that God has revealed something to you. You see, some of us doubt, well, do I, am I really, is this faith real? Or am I just here because my parents were here? Is this Christianity true or am I just going along because my friends went along with it? Is this Christianity really the thing that is for me? How do I know it's real? How do I know it's legit? How how do I know? Because the Spirit himself has revealed it to you. And so now your life can have rest because God himself has made known his plan to you. And so now it's not a matter of, well, you know, but man, I got laid off and finances are bad or I'm sick or my child's in the hospital. God, how do I know you love me? It's not about your circumstances. The Spirit of God has revealed to you his plan for you. And so now your security doesn't rest on your ability to understand. It rests on God revealing himself to you. And that's why Paul and Silas could be in prison and be singing. And not going, Come on, God. We're serving you. And we get thrown in prison? What's the deal? That's why they could rejoice after being beaten because they were... Counted worthy to suffer for Christ. That just doesn't make sense to the wisdom of this age. But when God, by His Spirit, reveals the truth, it holds us, it secures us, because it was revealed by God, not by man. And that's what Paul is trying to establish a foundation that is strong, not based on how you think, but based on what God has revealed about his son and what the cross really means. And so he's trying to give them this understanding. And you see, that's maturity. Maturity isn't how much you know. Maturity is the security you have in what God has revealed. Maturity is understanding God's plan in your life and his hand on your life. That is mature. And there are some people who are brand new in their faith in Christ who are more mature than people who've been walking in this Christian life for 30 years because they have an understanding of God has made known to me His plan. He has me. I'm good. And you look at someone like that and you go, You're mature. And then you have some people, they've had faith in Christ for years, but man, every summer, every winter, every spring, every fall, you know, something happens in their life that sets them off. Ah, where's God? Hasn't He revealed to you who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, the extent of His love for you? You don't need to be Moved, like James says, with the waves. Unstable, double-minded, not sure about God. Maturity is understanding what God has done and how he's done this for you. It goes on in verse 11. It says, For among, who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And so he gives a little illustration. Just like we don't know what's going on in each other's thoughts, the only one who really knows what's going on is the person who's in their thinking. And this causes a lot of problems in marriages because we assume we know what the other person's thinking. You know, my wife will be upset with me. She's thinking, Well, you know, you're you're not you're not showing interest. She's usually right, actually, but <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking something, but we're internalizing it, and we're focused on, on something, and maybe we have a blank stare, you know, kind of that deer in the headlights with kind of the chicken eye going on, you're not sure what's happening, and you think, well, you're not really understanding what's going on, and you're just kind of, no, I'm just thinking about it, and I'm kind of meditating on that. You just can't tell. Who really knows what's happening? Well, you do. You know if you're daydreaming. You know if you're focused. You know if you're listening. You know if you're angry. You know, sometimes it's just your foot hurts and think, are you mad at me? No, my foot hurts. I never would have known, but I know. Because it's my foot. I I understand. You see, and the same way the Spirit of God has now made these things known to us. It's the same. The Spirit of God, we've received him in the same way he knows the thoughts of God, and now he has given those thoughts to us. The one who knows what God is thinking. That should blow your mind, to know what God is thinking. And to know that the Spirit who knows what God is thinking is now revealing things to us. powerful, powerful. He goes on, he says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 13, it says, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so Paul goes on to give this illustration that there is this contrasting way of thinking. There is foolishness in the world of this age, the wisdom of this age, when they look at the things of God, the things that we hold as sacred. They think, you're you're foolish to believe those things. Why? They are spiritually discerned. They don't understand They don't know why would God do this. That is not the spirit of this age. And there are a number of things that kind of give us this reflection of what the spirit of this age is like. One of it is authority. Authority is a big deal to us. And here we have Jesus, the Lord of heaven, humbling himself and becoming obedient to the death of the cross. And turn with me to Philippians. Just turn to the right there. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Then Colossians. Girls eat potato chips. Hey, it works for me. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Now let's just stop there. Is that the spirit of this world? Do you get that impression from the people at work? Do you get that impression? Is that the, the mindset of the world around us? Think of others better than yourself. Do nothing selfishly. Verse 4, it says, Each of you should look not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Is that what? This is the wisdom and the Spirit of God. This is the Spirit's revelation of what wisdom is. But to the world, this is foolishness. To have that power and to do what with it? Give your life for others? You see, when man gets power, He lords over people. He oppresses people. When God gets power, He submits to people. It's the wisdom of God. And when we see this wisdom in someone, maybe there's a sports figure who is just really good, but they don't act it. It's so refreshing to see wow, they seem like a nice guy. Why? Because he's not all about himself. And then you got the other guys. You know, it's all about them. It's like, man, that's, and that's why, yeah, I'm number one. Yeah, I have to do this. That's why I get $8.7 million or whatever it is. The wisdom of God says no. If you have power, you use it to bring others up, not yourself. And that's not the wisdom of God. I mean, the wisdom of the world. That's the wisdom of this age. And we see that that's taking place all around us. Another thing that takes place or is just kind of the wisdom of this age is money. Wealth. I mean, let's face it. Right now, that's a big topic, the economy, the recession. It's on TV everywhere. Even the cartoon network is upset about the recession. You know what I mean? It's like you can't get away from it. And we've grown up with this mindset. You know, when you were a kid and you got cards for your birthday and you got that check from grandma and you said, $40, all right. You didn't think, who could I bless with this money? No, your face was full of jelly beans and cake and you were wired out on sugar and you got the money and it was mine, mine. You're like those seagulls on Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 you know. And, you know, it doesn't really change. Now you get a paycheck and that same attitude. It's really about bettering myself. And money is used just for my own gratification. And then you've got the kingdom of God mentality is that you can actually use your finances to bless others like you guys did last week in giving towards the work that's taking place in Vizcaino or the work that takes place in the kingdom of God. And it's a different mindset into the world. That's foolish. That's your money. Hold on to it. But you have this understanding. No, there's, there's something else that I can do with that. And, and all these things are just ways that we try and understand the wisdom of God to the wisdom of this world. Another big one is relationships and how we conduct ourselves with relationships. The wisdom of this age, it's about using people to get what you want. It's about manipulating to gain power You know, it's not difficult to understand what the wisdom of this age thinks about sex. You just turn on TV, watch a movie, listen to some music. Again, it's all about your pleasure, your gratification, and the idea of, you know, the mind of Christ and this archaic belief of, you know, marriage and all these things is just like, oh, come on, it just seems foolish. But there's this revelation of the Spirit of God, that sex is beautiful. It was created by God. It's supposed to exist in freedom. It's supposed to be erotic. It's supposed to be between between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship. It's a beautiful thing. And God has designed it for a special purpose. And one of the things that happens if we take what God has created outside of God's intent we usually end up losing something. And what I've noticed, especially in counseling with young people, they want to get close. Is everyone shifting because I'm talking about sex here? I'm the one who should be uncomfortable. You guys know. What happens is you want to get close to someone and you think, well, if I'm going to get close to them, I'm going to give my body to them not realizing that in a relationship, communication is going to be the one and most important thing you have. And you're going to talk a whole lot more than you have sex. It's not even 50-50. And if you don't develop communication and you try and jump and kind of bypass intimacy and go into the physical intimacy, what you end up doing is Losing some of the ability that needs to be developed in the communication. And God has designed it that way. It's not because he wants to be a killjoy. But he wants our relationships to develop in a healthy manner. And you see, this is the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ that is meant to to control our lives in a way that will bring glory to us he says, "An honor to God. He says at the very end there, no one has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. In other words, no one can tell God what to do. But he concludes, but we have the mind of Christ. Who is we? We are. Are the ones who God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. We are the ones who see the wisdom of God displayed in the work of Jesus on the cross and have taken that as an important thing in our lives. We see our deficiency and we see that God has been sufficient for us through Jesus. And now we rest and rely on what God has done, and it's not in our own strength, our ability to figure out this life is not about me. It is really about the life that God gives to me for the purpose of others. Just as Jesus gave himself, I am to give myself. And life is not measured by what you have, but it's measured by what you give. Those of you who are parents, you know this. Because it's a constant thing giving to your children, giving, giving. And you see, until God makes this known, it just doesn't make sense. I'm going to close with this one story. There's a young man who I've known for years. And I've been dialoguing with him back and forth. And he's been involved with some crazy stuff. Just drinking, fighting. Constantly encouraging him, stop doing this. Get yourself in church. He, he knows about Jesus. He has you know, confessed Christ. He'd been baptized. He's grown up in church. He knows that this is the right thing, but he just doesn't want to do it. He wants to party, he wants to have a good time, he wants to do his thing, and he's been doing it, and he's been getting in trouble, and he's been getting in trouble. And he's been having these things happen to him that have been very scary. Demonic things. He's seeing shadows. One time when he was drunk, he felt like these shadows were were trying to pull him from... Where he was at, he was out in the woods, and he was trying to get out of the woods, and he just felt like there was these obstacles, these shadows that kept pulling him. And he called me when this happened, and he's just freaking out. And then he told me the other day, he said, I was in my room, and a friend of mine came in the room, and I was asleep, and my friend said that he saw a shadow sitting in the corner of my room. It freaked him out. And he didn't know about this other incident, and it freaked me out because I'm wondering if when I'm sleeping these things aren't around me and I'm a little bit scared. Yeah, I'd be scared too. And then he said, I saw that there's a Bible study near me. And when I saw it, something inside of me said, I want to go. And it felt good that I knew where it was and that I wanted to go. You see, he had this understanding open his eyes and say, you know what? This way of life is good for me. It's, I'm not going to do this on my own anymore. I'm not going to do what I want, live how I want. I think God has a better plan for me, and I want to do that. And that's really what needs to happen, and that's where the wisdom of God is. It's in us recognizing I need the cross of Christ. I need that forgiveness. I need that help. And God, I need you. It's being revealed to him and it needs to be revealed to us. And you need to see the spirit of God and the spirit of the age. Because the spirit of the age is going to use you, it's going to take advantage of you, it's going to manipulate situations for their own purpose. And the wisdom and spirit of God is love, joy, peace, the fruit of the spirit, self-control. There's such a difference. I pray that the spirit would reveal these things to us and we would have the ability to make the choice to seek the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of the sage. And trust that God knows what's best. He does. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy to be deluded in how we think because of our surroundings. Someone makes a mistake and, and gives us too much money and change back. We think it's a blessing. Instead of thinking, I, I, I need to be humble and, and give this back, I, I need to not think about myself and do what is right. To cheat on taxes, to to lie to people, to be deceptive, to to, to be living a life for our own gain is really our natural bent, and it's what we're encouraged to do in the world around us. But your spirit has revealed another way. And it's been revealed through your son, Jesus, in what he has done for us. And so, Lord, we, we do pray and ask that we would surrender to you. That now that our eyes have seen and we can distinguish between these, these colors, these wisdoms, now that our ears have heard your voice, your whisper, above the shouts of the world, and now that we've understood your intent, may we have confidence in you. May we grow up and be mature and believe what you have said And have faith in what you've done. Lord, I pray that you would guard our hearts and minds from all the influences that would try and steer us the wrong way. I pray for this young man, Lord, who is just struggling and now has got his eyes open, wanting to take that right step. Lord, encourage that desire within him. I pray, Father, that you would move within our lives so that we would be known. Not because we have such wisdom or so powerful, but might we be known because of the wisdom that you have given us, the spirit you have given us. The spirit comes from you and not from this world. Lord, I again ask you to bless the team that is going down to Vizcaino. Lord, bless our offering and the finances here. May it be used for your glory the office space, and all that we are doing, Lord, might we represent you well, Jesus. Might our spirit be seen as your spirit. Father, thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness. Be honored, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.